0: Welcome, it's the Fan check down on the Sports Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. As we get you set for the Thursday nighter, we're going to talk to John Hendricks from Sports Illustrated. He joined us earlier in the year to talk about the New Orleans Saints. And things were not going swimmingly the last time that we had John on. They are going a little bit better, marginally better. But Derek Carr is still the quarterback with the New Orleans Saints, so how much better can it really get? What do we always say? An average man is always at his best. And if we look at Derek Carr as we should, he is always at his best because he is the definition of mediocre. Now, we'll see what happens tonight. It's a good matchup. Like, I'm actually looking forward to this game, Donovan. I don't look forward to a lot of Thursday nighters, but this one has playoff implications. The Rams are playing better. The Saints are whatever the heck the Saints are, but it actually should be at least mildly fun.
1: I was going to say a playoff game, like the playoffs start early for those two teams, but that's not true because the Saints could still lose this and win the division.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't help. Of course. That, like, you, both. It's it's not like, you know, what was the— Does what? anyone want to win this division? Like, would
1: you rather just— you're, You
0: know, you're really picking on my NFC. yeah a here.
1: draft pick. If you're the Falcons, I mean, if you're the Falcons coaching staff, you want to win the division because you want to save your job. But well, for the
0: overall
1: ain't no health help. of ain't no hope of that happening. Yeah, I, it, it's going to be a good one, though, because both teams have been hot. But, uh, listen, I think a, a team we talked about in the past, you know, if the Bills get in, they're a team you don't want to face. If the Rams get in, they're a team I don't want to face. i not want to have to no. come up with schemes to block Aaron Donald for four quarters or ways to cover that. Receiving group in LA and really the skill position group because you know they've been running it efficiently as well. Yeah, this one should be really good.
0: Okay, so we're going to talk about the Rams in a sec. Um, but we wanted to, well, I we say, I say we, you came up with this idea. I'm not going to take credit for it. Um, okay. because it's 14. a good one, it's a good one. Um, everybody's kind of talking about their top five MVP for this year and. As you mentioned, it's a weighted system this year, which is how it should be. Like, first place votes equal X, you know, second place votes equal Y. You get the drill.
1: Yeah, so voters get rank choice. So first place votes get 10 points. Second place votes get five points. Third place votes get three, and you guys can do basic arithmetic. Second well, place, or, or fourth place votes gets two, and last place, five, uh, it gets one. So So there's a, a steep decline between ten points for one, obviously half of that five for two and then three to one.
0: So when we were doing this exercise, and I would love to say that we really thought hard about this I, I mean I didn't have to think super hard about my top five
1: okay interesting i, I I'm struggling with mine, and uh, I, I don't feel confident about it as it is presently constituted.
0: As- I- I will say that I'm confident, and okay. that, is, that may just be a facade, but I'm never going to tell anybody that. Right. Um, I may give the impression that I'm very confident in my picks. Um, you want to go one, one, two, two, just go back and forth? That's probably the best way to do it. Sure. Actually, let's start with five. Ah, right. We don't want to give sure. away the one, right? Okay. I mean, once we, once we get to two, it'll probably be pretty obvious for uh, both of us.
1: Yeah, You never know, but yeah, sure. Let's, let's go five. Go ahead and start.
0: Uh, I got Josh Allen number Hey, five. interesting. And I thought about Lamar Jackson in this spot, but then I look at how much of the offense Josh Allen has to account for, and it's significant with that Bills roster. And not that Lamar Jackson does not contribute significantly, but it. For the bulk of this season, if Josh Allen was not Superman, the Bills did not win games. I didn't have to feel that way with Lamar Jackson because the defense has been so good for the majority of the season. The Bills' defense was good for like four weeks at the beginning of the season, and then it went kind of in the tank, and they had to win games because Josh Allen was great. Um, So I got Josh Allen at number five. Who do you have?
1: At number five, I have Tyreek Hill. Okay. Okay. And, listen, he, he missed the game. Otherwise, he might be a little bit higher. But still, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, uh, given the fact that he missed the game, that he could set a record for uh, receiving yards. He's going to have franchise records when it comes to receiving yards, uh, average yards per catch, uh, receiving touchdowns. And I just don't know how many other players force a defense – to bend, force a defense to change an account for him, and still despite that, it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're just, you, you can double cover for me if you want. You could cloud to my side if you want. I, I'm faster than you. And so he, since Randy Moss is the scariest offensive weapon, I believe I've seen at the receiver position, I think that needs to be acknowledged. So I think Tyreek Hill uh,
0: is worthy of my five spot.
1: Who, who you got at four?
0: Uh Your boy, Dak Prescott, oh, okay. at number four. And the last two weeks, I mean, he didn't have to be. He was good against the Eagles. He didn't have to be great because the Eagles kind of spit the bit out. Um, And against the Bills, that took a real hit to his MVP chances. You know, I was listening to, and I want to say, I think it was the Fox. Yeah, that game would have been on Fox, the Bills and the Cowboys and they talked about that game and Howie Long specifically said the Cowboys didn't need to win that game for Dak Prescott to stay in the MVP conversation he just needed to be good and he wasn't good the whole team wasn't good and I don't put all of that on Dak Prescott but that was the game where he needed to especially after he didn't need to light the world on fire against the Eagles he needed to have a much better performance than he did against Buffalo to keep him in there. Now, having said that there's still some runway here and that, and let's preface this. This is our top five as of right now, this is a week to weekly. Cause we've been saying any given Sunday is really the mantra. And I know it's very, you know, cliche, but it really does feel that way. And it does feel like that with the MVP conversation as well. So I have Dak Prescott at number four. Who do you have at number four?
1: Dak Prescott.
0: Okay. We agreed on one. We did agree on one. And listen,
1: it, has he had a down couple of weeks? Sure, but he's had an outstanding year. I don't think he is helped by his play caller all that much. I think he wins despite Mike McCarthy often. I, I also would say that coming into this year, we thought, ah oh, man, the receiving group is not as good. They lose Dalton Schultz and free agency. They lose Noah Brown and free agency has not mattered. He has had uh, musical chairs game at offensive line has not mattered. And when we talk about value, not many quarterbacks are asked to do as much at the line of scrimmage in terms of getting his team into a good and correct play as Dak is. He's in total control of the offense. For me, he is the number four spot. Now, if he continues to slide as their schedule gets more difficult, then that could change. But I think if he writes the ship and is back to the level he's playing at before – the last week or so, uh, I think he's in my top five, no doubt. who you got a three?
0: Uh, I will add this to Dak Prescott, though. If he goes and lays the boots to Miami, he's going up on my rankings. Yo, I'll tell you that much for that's sure. Fair, that's fair. Uh, number three, I have Tyree Kill. Okay. And him missing the game. Like, I think I have him three, even if he does play last week. Because he's going to break he he might very well break a record. I don't agree with it, although now it's, you know, time's getting short. But he's had one of the greatest seasons of all time, and, you know, like we said a couple weeks ago, Cooper Cup on line one had one of the greatest seasons, the second best receiving season that we've seen of all time behind Calvin Johnson, and he didn't get a sniff at that number. So I, I say that Tyreek Hill is in that conversation. Had he played last week, it doesn't change anything for me. It's just there's something about his, like his usage is insane, but also like he's always open. And I don't know how much of that is what Mike McDaniel is doing. And I don't know how much of that is just Tyreek Hill so damn fast. So that's where I kind of struggle with it. Whereas you look at a guy, when you talked about Randy Moss or Calvin Johnson, they were not always open like Tyreek Hill is. They had double coverage. They had, they had guys draped all over them and they were still making ridiculous catches. And I don't, that's not a Tyreek Hill problem. It's a perception of the position and the dominance at the position because he doesn't fit that typical alpha wide receiver, that 6'5, 230 or, or 6'4, 220 receiver that we've seen in the past, like the Randy Mosses, like the Calvin Johnsons. So that's why he kind of falls short for me, but I do have him at number three. Who do you have at three?
1: I have Josh Allen.
0: Wow, University. that's high.
1: And listen, if they go on a run and continue, uh, he might slide up my board. But he might, in terms of setting records, he might set a record for total touchdowns. When you factor yeah. the amount of touchdowns he's continuing to throw for and the fact that he is a big factor in the run game now, James Cook has become a more uh, prominent factor in the red zone. So he could vulture some Touchdowns from Allen? Can you vulture touchdowns from the QB when you are the running back?
0: Usually they allow that for Latavius Murray, but
1: right. <laughs> um, I know I think Josh Allen is played. You know, aside from the early turnovers uh, that were bonehead turnovers, he's he, the turnovers of late have been contested uh, catches, and that's going to happen when you are throwing the ball as often as he is. I got him at number three. Okay, now we get to I think we're just gonna time.
0: I think we're gonna flip flop here. Cause I think I now know who your number one is. Uh, okay, interesting. Okay, so I'll go I'll go with number two. Uh I have Christian McCaffrey at number two. And he's gonna have an all world type season. He's got one thousand two hundred and ninety-two rushing yards, five hundred and nine receiving yards, He's at just a shade over 1,800 yards at 1,801 yards. He's going to easily eclipse the 2,000-yard all-purpose mark. He's going to potentially get to 2,200, which is unheard of. He's getting a workload that we just don't see in the NFL anymore. Like Like, even Jonathan Taylor, when he's healthy, does not get that type of workload. The only guy... And we'll talk about him in a bit, not in the MVP conversation. Although, if he had played the whole season, maybe he's a little bit higher. But like the only guy that's getting that type of work is Kyron Williams, literally the only other guy on a consistent basis that is getting near thirty touches a week, and that's what Christian McCaffrey's doing. Um, so I have him at number two, and if he doesn't win it this year with the season he is having, he will never win one. That's kind of how I look at, it. and it's the, and it's the position, and I get it. Uh, but he's doing some incredible things and really a difference maker, as we know, for that San Francisco offense. Who do you have at number two? Very compelling case. At number two, I have Christian McCaffrey. Oh, boy. Is Donovan? Okay, I want to hear. Okay, 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 let's go. I'm excited. I'm excited. Let's go. <laughs> uh, and
1: for all of the reasons that you just described, and I would add the the other thing. When the San Francisco 49ers throw the ball, they throw the ball Against stacked boxes more than anyone in the NFL. When defensive coordinators, game plan for the 49ers, they game planning for Christian McCaffrey, and yet he has been the top running back in this sport, right? If you're looking at fantasy, he's the top running back. And among the top wide receivers in the sport. If you drafted Christian McCaffrey as a first-round wide receiver, alone you would have had return on investment so cmc is number two for me for mvp who
0: do you have as your mvp you know um this is from the uh from kurt bankert who works for sleeper former nfl quarterback this guy is a modern day drew Brees with more athleticism I am not talking about Davis Mills. I'm not talking about Josh Dobbs. Talking about Mr. Relevant, Brock Purdy. He is making throws that other guys in Kyle Shanahan's system, everybody says, oh, Kyle Shanahan's system. But he's making throws that other guys did not. He's making throws that Jimmy Garoppolo never did. He's certainly making throws that Trey Lance never did. He's even making some throws that Matt Ryan did not make. And everybody wants to talk about the players that he throws to and they're really good. And to me, Brock Purdy cannot be faulted for who he throws the ball to or who his coach is. Because MVPs have had good coaching. Like, find me an MVP that has had horrible coaching and horrible players around him. It's kind of a hard thing to do. Like, you can make the argument... That maybe Aaron Rodgers, well, he had had Matt LaFleur at the beginning. So, like, I don't even buy that. I mean, he had Mike McCarthy at points, too. But Patrick, you know, does Patrick Mahomes get criticized for having Andy Reid as a guy that plays uh, calls plays? He doesn't. He had Tyreek Hill. He had Travis Kelsey. Had Kareem Hunt. One MVP. I don't think that a player should be faulted. And I'm not saying that he's Brock, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's Patrick Mahomes, but a player should not be faulted because of the team that surrounds him. I see a lot of Kurt Warner in Brock Purdy, and I've been saying that for weeks. And Kurt Warner had Isaac Bruce, he had Torrey Holt, and he had Marshall Falk. Three guys, not all of them are in the Hall of Fame, but they should all be in the Hall of Fame. Nobody ever said, Whoa, look at the guys that that Kurt Warner's throwing to. And that's where my argument lies. The guy is having an incredible season. And if he had not been concussed for two weeks, we would not. this wouldn't even be a discussion. It would be Brock Purdy and no one else. Who's your number one?
1: So my MVP is having a better year than a former MVP.
0: Okay. He is... I'm very interested by this. He is not playing with any Hall of Famers. Zach Wilson, ladies and gentlemen.
1: (laughs) Um, My MVP is Lamar Jackson. Okay. And if Lamar goes off against the 49ers, I think that's when the MVP is going to be decided. Might very well be. Niners, Ravens, two great defenses. So what those quarterbacks and Christian McCaffrey does in that game, I think is going to swing most people's minds on the MVP. For me, Lamar Jackson is having a better year this year than when he won the MVP in 27.
0: Oh, so you were talking you're almost talking about Lamar as if he was in the third person like he had a better season than another MVP. Correct. He nice also work.
1: had a better is having a better season than an MVP who I think is the greatest comp to the, his year, and that would be Cam Newton. In terms of rushing yards and combined passing yards, he's going to eclipse what Cam Newton did in his MVP year and No matter who is healthy and around him, their numbers are actually better after Mike Andrews has been hurt. Uh, He lost his star running back. Well, I mean, he lost his star running back twice already this year for the year. And yeah, I mean, he's got Odell Beckham Jr., who's had some injury issues. Zay Flowers has been great, but he's still a rookie. He's in a new offense and has done so much. Their leading rusher at the end of this year is going to be Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. And so he is the run game, he is their pass game, he is their emotional leader. Lamar Jackson is my MVP, which and I think this exercise, as much as we were, you know, on the same page for many things, goes and shows the dilemma this year. Because given its ranked choice, I will now read back to you where we land. Dak Prescott ended up with four points. Tyreek Hill ended up with four points. Josh Allen ended up with four points. So even though we had them in slightly different spots, for us they were you know somewhere in the three spot, four spot, and five spot. So they all end up with four points. Now you have a three-way tie with ten points because we had two different number ones, which is weighted at Mm ten, and we both had the same number two, which is weighted at five. That would be Christian McCaffrey. So we have a three-way tie at ten points between Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, and... Brock Purdy, if I'm, and this is not done like the Northern Star Award or the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame or all Hall of Fames, the, the uh, Professional Football Hall of Fame, or you're in a room and you're arguing it, it's just voters casting their ballot like it's the Heisman and sending it in. But if we were in a room arguing this, I would say to you, how could Brock Purdy be number one as most valuable if your number two is on the same team in the same backfield? How could they both be most valuable even though they're on the
0: same team? Ask people that did that with Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk because that happened twice. And they're smarter than me. Two years in a not two years in a row, but it happened the, twice. Two years in a row, they, one of them won the award. One year it was Falk, the other year it was Kurt Warner. But then another year they finished one, two. And then if I'm not mistaken, that same year, the second time, it would, yes, it would have been the second year that it happened where they were 1-2, Peyton Manning was 3, and Edger and James was 4. But that was not
1: when you're doing weighted votes, where basically people had to decide who's your one pick, and the, the country was split. Some people thought the, the reason for the success was Kurt Warner, and some people thought the reason for the success was Marshall Falk. Great minds can differ. You're saying the reason for the success is both of them because you had them one, too.
0: Yeah, because I think we've seen... Because I think they both help each other. I think that Christian McCaffrey being there makes Brock Purdy a better quarterback, but I also think that Brock Purdy being there makes Christian McCaffrey a better player, too. Like, I don't, I don't know that... I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo or Sam Darnold make Christian McCaffrey a better player. I don't think that either of those guys take some of the eyes off of Christian McCaffrey like Brock Purdy does. And I, and I would say the flip side of that as well. Christian McCaffrey takes a lot of eyes off of Brock Purdy as well. See, for me, those things are mutually exclusive. Well, also, 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 one plays the most important position in all of sports, which is the quarterback. And if you don't have one, you're looking for one. So
1: if we were to ascribe 51% of the credit to Brock Purdy, let's say, and 49% of the credit to Christian McCaffrey, my rebuttal would be, well, I'm out here giving Lamar Jackson 75% of the credit and Josh Allen 70% and Dak Prescott 65% and Tyreek Hill 60 Like, I think these guys are a bigger reason as to why their offense and thus teams are successful than, say, Brock Purdy because he has a big reason alongside him in the same backfield, but... Here's
0: here's the other thing, though, too. When you look at the teams that they play on, let's also talk about, you know, the team dynamic and and how the teams have played so far this year. I would make the argument that there is no team that is even remotely close to as good as the San Francisco 49ers right now. That includes the Baltimore Ravens. That includes the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Detroit Lions. Go down the list. It is... You know how they have that S tier, and then it goes one, two, three? They're in like the SS tier compared to everybody else, in my opinion, with how good they're. And a big reason is because their offense is feels like it's almost unstoppable right now, and so does their defense. So I, I look at the team's success, and I say the record doesn't indicate this, but the eye test tells me the San Francisco 49ers are a juggernaut, and there's no other team like them.
1: Objection, Your Honor. So
0: the 51%, in my opinion, means more than your 75 for Lamar Jackson.
1: Objection, Your Honor. I'd like to present uh, Exhibit A. We call them the NFL standings. And in them, the Baltimore Ravens have the exact same record as the San Francisco 49ers. So until they're handing out eye test trophies.
0: We should give that out on this show. The the eye eye test test trophy. Just a
1: big eye. Yeah, just just a a big eye. A big blinking eye. Well, the Niners and the Ravens will play. And I think as they I sure said, will. That's the money uh, This right? will be settled. But let us know who your top five are and who you think MVP is. But more importantly, why? This is a conversation where you can't just say you have to show your work. Like, yeah, tweet us long division. Tweet us. You have to show us how you got to. How many that guys can answer. do
0: long? How many people that listen to this show can do long division? I mean, if they graduated high school, I would argue all of them. I don't remember how to do long division, dude. When did you graduate high school? 2002 that was like 100 years ago 21 years ago. yeah exactly first of all i made you feel really old dude. i certainly secondly i graduated from high school in carry the one 2007 that was also a very long time ago 2007 i'm pretty sure you're 18 when you graduate right in most cases well if you have an early birthday how do you not just remember the year hold on a
1: second I'm look. I'm. You. I'm right now. I'm googling long division problems to see
0: if I can. <laughs> if I can do one okay. in the break. Ah, uh, I don't think you can. Um, it's been a long time. Uh, so tweet us at MaddieMar eighty nine at Donovan Bennett two ends in Donovan.
1: I'm just looking at these long division worksheets and I'm sweating. Like, but I, kids today don't need to worry about this because they just use their phone. Here's a question: Did we ever need to worry about this? Like, no. Unless I was going to go into analytics.
0: Calculus,
1: you know, high level algebra. Why did I need to know that?
0: I couldn't even spell algebra. I wasn't really worried about knowing you how can to do spell it. Spell algebra? Yeah. I if you can't, I'm very, I'm very. I'm actually a very good.
1: Sounded algebra. out, hooked on phonics. I, I, I not that I'm going to change our education system here on the checkdown, but how about you teach me how to do my taxes?
0: Yeah. Well, that. Well, how you, yeah. How about you teach how me to, how to do something that's to, actually. How about you teach me how to? You know what? Figure want, out a mortgage.
1: There, but like we want to, do, we want to talk about math. How about you teach me how to do a, a three-team parlay? How about you teach me that? Things that are going to be applicable into my actual life.
0: It wouldn't help us win bets, though. You,
1: you never know. I, I, I think it, it can't hurt. There should be some courses about like real life things in terms of the decisions people make every day.
0: Let's have a course called everyday math that you'll actually need. Like That's why, what we'll call it.
1: Well, yes. But why did I need to learn chemistry?
0: Oh God. Don't like even the, get me started. Periodic table. Why?
1: Why is that important? It's not. It's just like a memorization contest basically.
0: Yeah. This is something that I probably won't tell my daughter until she graduates high school. But basically like, you know, when you had to take courses and it, you had to take them up until a certain year. Yes. Yeah, I did, like, the bare minimum of all of them. Like, grade nine... Th- and this one, I was pissed at myself for dropping because I was actually pretty decent at it. Grade nine, French. God. Out the window. See ya. Bye, Becherelle. yeah, Out of here. Yeah. Grade 10, science. Bye-bye. See you later. Grade 11, math. Ciao. Gone. So, English was the only one that I had to take. And that was the thing I was most proficient in. So, it worked out. I had... I'm not going to lie, and I'll never say this teacher's name, although I'm sure people that are listening to this, um, they'll probably figure it out of my friend circle. Mr. or Mrs.? It was a Mrs. I probably shouldn't have said that either. Um, I'm pretty sure that I passed the course. It was a math one. I'm pretty sure that I passed because I was dating her daughter, who had oh. happened to be at another school. Oh, wow, scandalous. Now. Yeah Um, because I'm pretty sure I got 39 on the final exam.
1: We're talking about education malpractice here on the check down. Listen, I I will say this. I, too, dropped all of those courses as soon as possible. The one that I regret dropping, and now in hindsight, I would have picked up more
0: languages is French. Yeah, French definitely should have kept.
1: We are in a two-language country professionally. I think it would have been great to learn French. Traveling, you go to Quebec or France. Or, or or many nations around the world that speak French, it would be nice to be able to order off the menu and not, you know, start sweating like I was when I was looking at those long division problems. So yeah, that is a regret. Of mine.
0: Yeah, I as someone who grew up in an Italian household, it probably would have been really easy too. although even when I have been to Italy, I mean, everybody speaks English there. So they look at you like, oh, yeah, you're a tourist. I can see. No, I'm Italian. No, you're a tourist. I know I'm, I get it. I was born here, I understand. Uh, Okay, let's have a quick chat about the Rams before we take a break and get to John Hendricks on the other side. Um, This is an interesting one for the Rams here because the offense has been excellent. Cooper Cup looks like he's, you know, quote-unquote, back. Eight catches, 115, and a touchdown. Eight catches, 111, and a touchdown in the last two weeks. Matthew Stafford averaging 277 passing yards, uh, eight TDs to to zero interceptions in the last three weeks. Like, this offense... And we haven't even mentioned Kyron Williams. They look, dare I say, good right now. And they they laid a licking on the Browns as well and scored a lot of points against the Ravens, too. Like they look like they're, you know, you mentioned a team that you don't really want to play right now.
1: They've won four of their last five. Again, they were starting the year without Cooper Cup because he had his hamstring injuries. Now they are really. Rolling, had some injuries in that wide receiver room outside of Puka Nakua. Tutu Atwell has been banned up throughout the year, but I'll say not just about their offense, but about this team. Sean McVay should be in the conversation for coach of the year. Should be, yeah. We thought this team was tanking. We thought this would be his last year to get a check. And he's going to be in the Amazon booth at next year as an analyst. We thought that Matthew Stafford could be potentially a trade deadline target to a team who had, that's in contention. I don't know if you can just come back from being old, but Stafford should be in the comeback player of the year. Conversation, the way he's played uh, behind a relatively young offensive line. Uh, the Rams do certainly scare me as a playoff team. What they've done uh, in the last month or so has been so, so impressive.
0: Well, and, and part of what they've been able to do over the last month um, is they've been able to run the ball. And that was something that when Kyron Williams wasn't playing, he was hurt. He was on the IR, had the uh, ankle injury. Since he's returned from injury, he's averaging 22.2 carries per game, 124.2 rushing yards per game, half a touchdown per game, five and a half targets per game, 4.2 receptions per game. There was not a lot that was expected of Kyron Williams, especially last year. He basically redshirted. Last year, And they had injuries at running back. And it's like, nah, we're still not going to use you. So coming into this year, there were zero expectations for him. And now you look at not only the workload, but what he's been able to do with it. He's been as impressive as any running back in the league. Like he is in terms of volume being used like Christian McCaffrey is. And he, is, he has made that ROI pretty darn good uh, considering he's a fifth round pick. And that offense kind of runs through him and opens up the doors for guys like Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. And, you know, if it's Tyler Higby or Davis Allen or Tutu Atwell or whoever, uh, Demarcus Robinson, who had a big touchdown catch last week. It's a really interesting team. And you know what? There's another part of this, and we do have to break in a minute here, but Raheem Morris is going to be in this head coaching cycle again. Uh, 21 points per game since getting blown out by the Cowboys, which also includes a 37-point output from the Ravens in there. It's vastly improved. And the other part of this is, yes, they do give up points, but it's a defense that nothing was expected of, and it's a very young defense. It's a defense that you look at and go, it's not filled with first-round picks like they've had in years past. It, what Raheem Morris has done with this defense is really impressive.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And when, talking about that running game, remember, they essentially took Darryl Henderson Jr. and Royce Freeman off the couch put them on the field to get through uh, the injury they had in the backfield. And so now that they've had essentially their runner, their top two wide receivers and their quarterback healthy together since for the first time, they've been unbeatable except for that game. You mentioned against the Ravens, which went to OT in a game that they probably should have won in regulation. And also remember seven of those points. was not on Raheem Morris in that defense. It was a kick return yep. in overtime if we being honest, probably should have been called back. So yes, he's done an outstanding job with that defense. It would be nice to see him get another head coaching opportunity
0: for sure. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, John Hendricks from Sports Illustrated. He is in LA for this game tonight, covering the game uh, from the Saints' perspective. We've had him on before. John's great, uh, and we'll get his take on on this Saints team and and the struggles that they've had. And they're still in the thick of things here, whether it be in the wild card chase or in that vaunted. NFC South Division race. Uh, John Hendricks from Sports Illustrated. When we come back, Matt marchese Donovan Bennett. You're listening to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back after this.
1: Big guests
0: and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be
2: sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome, it's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. As we get you set for the Thursday nighter, it's a good one. At least the perception is that it's going to be a good one. It's a playoff-type matchup, and this is what the NFL wants in a primetime matchup. Uh, John Hendricks from Sports Illustrated covers the New Orleans Saints, joins us now, and John is coming back on the show for a second time. Thanks for doing this again, John. Really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you.
0: So looking at this matchup tonight from the Saints side of things, and and I look at the Saints and I just say, like, the record, they're they're 500, and I look at the team and I say, that's kind of where I expected them to be based on, you know, I think the defense is pretty good. I thought the offense was going to be okay. But then I look and say, Derek Carr is the quarterback, and Derek Carr is seemingly not good enough to win you the big one, but he's also not bad enough that you're going to tank. He's just kind of going to be in the middle. Is that kind of what you've seen from Derek Carr during his early tenure here with the Saints?
2: Yeah, I mean, especially coming in, this is what I've I told people. I was like, I don't he was never coming in here to be a guy that was going to be just setting the world on fire. I, I thought he could be the top half of the league as far as, you know, where he is in terms of his stats and such when he had, you know, borderline top ten potential. But, you know, of course, this season, how it's played out, it's it's obviously been somewhat good at times. He's he's had a, his best game, arguably, coming off of a, a good Giants win. But, you know, you've seen games where it just hasn't been there, you know, for one reason or another. I mean, you talk about... The early season struggles, you talk about the inconsistencies in the red zone, third down, all these types of things that have kind of plagued this team all year. But they, they're hitting the stride when they need to most. And now they're in a position where, you know, look, they, they could make something of this. And um, But, you know, Derek Carr, I, you know, it's a microcosm of things. I don't think he's the sole problem. You know, the defense kind of fell off there for a period uh for about five straight games and, and they just weren't able to play that complimentary football that they absolutely have to play that's been kind of some of the biggest things but you know overall i, I don't think there's any, anything i've seen with Derek Carr that i hadn't expected this season
1: well i guess you know uh, happiness is uh you know expectations minus results and I, 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 how happy you are with him it's relative to what you expected and what maybe you thought was necessary for this team to win The proposition of Carr being good was based off the fact that you thought this defense could be dominant, and they haven't necessarily been that. What have you seen on that side of the ball that maybe has this team playing below what some of the expectations were coming in?
2: Yeah, I think it's been a little bit more uh, overcomplicated, to say the least, um, in some of the way they're doing the game plan. You know, again, the past two games they've been exceptionally well and against the run and pass and they're getting after the quarterback. And that helps obviously when you have a lead. And so I think for these other games, just the way they started. And then, I mean, when you go out and you play a game where you're giving up a 10 play 12 play drive to start the game and then your offense does a three and out. And then you have to go back out there for another 10 play drive. I mean, that's obviously going to take its toll on you, but you know, I think that's some of the things that we've seen from this defense this season. Um, you know, mobile quarterbacks have been a problem. Inconsistency, not getting after the quarterback in enough time. I mean, there's at one point a mobile quarterback you just knew that they were gonna find this success because of the way the Saints played defense. Um and, and of course that's obviously looked a lot better in, in recent times. Um and again that's that's what I guess matters the most is that you know, when it comes down to it, you want to be playing your best football in December and beyond. And, and this team is starting to do that. And look, you know, you're coming off the Giants, which was a more convincing win than obviously the Panthers. But you know, now the big test because you've got a good Rams team that's very hungry and that is right there up on the cusp too of trying to get a postseason burst as well in, in that crazy NFC division. But you know, defensively, it's just been inconsistent, just like this entire team has been the entire season.
0: How much of that is personnel um, because there are some really good players on that defense and how much of that is Dennis Allen because he's supposed to be the defensive guy and, you know, we can talk about his head coaching record prior to coming back to new Orleans and, you know, what the Raiders wasn't very good and last year, seven and 10 and, I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, is Dennis Allen on the hot seat a little bit here if this team doesn't make the playoffs, especially after bring a, bringing in a quarterback as high-priced as Derek Carr was to go along with that defense that was supposed to be so good?
2: Well, look, I, again, I think the seat was heating up a little bit when their team was five and seven. And, and you know, I've been a proponent saying if they don't make the playoffs, it's a huge miss. And and I think yeah, everything has to be looked at for this team. And, and so, um, you know, what I would tell you is Right now, they're in a position where it's a best-of-three series, right? And and so if he can get him over the hump, I think he's safe. But at the same time, I also feel like changes are going to come on the horizon because I just don't think it's been good enough. And, and look, I think Allen's been a part of this, but he's not the sole reason why. You know, I think offensive coordinator has been issuing – and, again, it's just – What's frustrating about the Saints team is they just can't get on the same page at the right time, at the same time. And I think that's been the biggest problem is, you know, their defense looks really good and then their offense doesn't do anything, or their offense looks really good and their defense doesn't do anything. And for me, it's a sign of coaching, right? And whether it's positional coaches, you know, head coach, whatever you want to chalk it up to, there's obviously been some of that that we've seen this evening. But, you know, overall, I, I think Dennis is going to be safe. Unless he loses these three straight games, that's going to be the hard part to swallow if you're a Saints fan or if you're Dennis Allen. And, you know, look, I, I think for this fan base to be a, a DA believer, you can't just make the playoffs. you got to at least win or one or two of these games in the postseason, which obviously is going to be a lot easier said than done. But, you know, I think you need to look at way things have gone for New Orleans, they need it. And so we'll see if they are able to do it. But you lose three straight, DA, uh, that's got to be – Super cooking in, in New Orleans like a
1: crawfish bowl. <laughs> now you're making us hungry. I, I wonder if some of that blame and some of that hot seat should be sh- shared because I look to the front office and Mickey Loomis, and they have had the same type of approach as I had in university where you just put everything in the credit card and hope to deal with it later. In terms of the cap hell that they've found themselves in, they found ways to get through it, similar to you know what the Rams did, but the Rams ultimately won a Super Bowl. But the Rams also have been able to hit on their draft picks. Seven of the 19 of the Saints' first-round draft picks in the Mickey Loomis era were not signed to, uh, or, or only seven of 19 were signed to extensions. How much of where the Saints are now, stuck in the murky middle, have to do with the way the roster was built based off of Mickey Loomis?
2: Yeah, I, look, I think there's a lot of hands dirty in this. You know, I, I think that overall, this draft class, I've been really encouraged. I think, you know, for as much black as they take on first-rounders, Brian Brzee looks outstanding. I think he's been obviously the best draft pick. Um, but I wouldn't stop there. I think that Jordan Howden, the guy they got in the sixth round, her safety from Minnesota, he's looked fantastic. And I think he's somebody that has a huge future on this team. And, you know, but ultimately, you look at guys like Isaiah Foskey. He hadn't been able to stay healthy lately. He's not hitting the field. Kendra Miller, um, you know, he's been dealing with the ankle injury. He's been out, and you passed on Devin A. Chain and you also passed on Ty J. Spears. And so those types of things are obviously hindsight moves. But, you know, again, you look at Mickey Loomis, and he has a strong philosophy at how to build a team. And, look, he's been doing this a long time, since 2000, or even beyond before that when he was with the Seahawks. And so, look, I think he's got a, a ton of football intelligence, and he's actually one of the, the league's best. But, you know, the, the management and the way that they are set up for the next year is this is the kind of team in the roster and the nucleus that you are going to have to work with because they're not in a position where they can strip it down and go start from scratch or anything like that. They're going to have to keep some of these older players. Some of it's going to have to hurt because of how the monetary implications are going to be. But, you know, again, they have a, a philosophy of building from within, you know, starts in the trenches. But at the same time, you look at a guy like Trevor Penning, who can't even get in a jumbo set. That's concerning. And so I, I think, you know, some of the decisions that are made, you got a lot of good ones here, but you also have a lot of ones that you just look at and say they're a little bit questionable. And so, again, I, I think Mickey's done a great job, you know, with everything that's given. But, you know, at the same time, they're 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 just not getting the complete results that they probably thought they were going to get when the season started.
0: John Hendricks from Sports Illustrated covers the New Orleans Saints. Joining Matt Marquez and Donovan Bennett here on the fan checkdown. so uh, the last time we had you on we talked about the struggles in the red zone for this team and you know they're <clears throat> excuse me they're they're 12th in points per game tied for 12th in points per game with the same uh, with the the browns and then you look at the red zone touchdown percentage and they are 21st in red zone touchdown percentage 52 percent i mean what it, 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 i've seen some I, i've watched a lot of saints football and i've seen some red zone trips where you're watching and they're you know they're on the three yard line it's like okay we ran alvin Kamara three times and that didn't work okay we're just gonna run Taysom hill and then he's gonna get a touchdown and, and everything's fine is it just as simple as like okay let's just give Taysom hill the ball a little bit more in the red zone because it seems to be working what is the biggest thing that ails this team when it comes to red zone performance
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's play calling. I think it's execution, you know, and and look, this team at one point, I think when we talked last time, it was they were bottom four of the league and they've continually improved in that area. They're 9 of 10 in the last three games. And, um, you know, the third down performance is improving as well where they were, you know, really bottom of the barrel. And so they put an extra emphasis on red zone. You know, they added an extra day several weeks ago, and I I think it's paying off in a big way. And, And, of course, you look at it, again, hindsight, that's, Hey, you know, why didn't you do this before? Why isn't Jimmy Graham getting the ball more? Why isn't he the guy that's a factor? And, you know, look, you can get wrapped up and get in the weeds and saying why it wasn't a certain way, but what's working for his team now is that you're finding success here. And, and of course, last week, Taysom Hill wasn't a factor in the red zone, and they were still able to get in there, and he was um, missed the week before with a, a foot injury. And so I think they've been able to find ways to be creative and to be able to get the most from some of their players. And also say this, is that Dennis Allen issued some personal challenges to some of these veterans on this team. Um, and, and, look, I think a lot of these players have responded. You see guys like Jawan Johnson respond in a big way, Demario Davis defensively. Uh, I just think that, you know, again, At the right time, you want to get the most for your team. And this is a team that never quit. They didn't quit even last season. But, you know, you just look at the red zone success and lack thereof uh, at the early parts of the season. Again, I think a lot of it's play calling. A lot of it's personnel. A lot of it is just the execution. And you have to have all three like the good teams do, like the 49ers um, and and some of the Ravens teams like that. you got to have that perfect sync and harmony And the Saints. They, They just can't do it when they don't have that.
1: Well, having Chris Olave back will help with that offensively. Coming back, expected two off of the ankle injury. Fantasy owners are really happy that he's back in the lineup given this time of the year. What do you expect from him given what he's been able to do in practice in the lead up? And how big is he for that Saints offense?
2: Yeah, he's huge. I mean, he's tremendous. He's going to be able to take a lot of help over off the top. He's, he does so many different things in the route tree that is just such appreciated. And such. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be a big influence for this team. He's going to see a lot of targets. They're going to try to get him the ball some. I, I think they can move the football well. Um, I know they're going to want to establish the run against this team. I know that they're going to want to set up some things that are going to help. But Chris Olave is their guy when it comes to target share to things that they do when they need a conversion. I mean, he is the number one guy. And, and so he relishes that opportunity. And, and, of course, he wants to play. He wants to do some things. And it wasn't so long ago that, look, he was going through a rough patch, you know, in October and all those types of things that were happening. But, you know, again, it, it's he's found himself. He he wants to be out there. He wants to play. He wants to do this for his team. Um, I think he's going to be a huge part tonight in, in the game plan. I think at least minimum six, seven targets. I think he's going to go well over that 70-yard range, maybe even try to get in the end zone. I think that would be something that it would really cap off everything, especially if you're a fantasy owner. But um, I think Alave, when it comes down to it, and it's all said and done. Man, he's just such a special player, and they really need somebody like him towards the end of the season to, to really kind of catch fire for this team. And so we'll see how it does actually happen. But I feel confident that Alave is going to be able to get a lot of targets tonight, and then he's going to, you know, basically eat a little bit.
0: Uh, it's going to be a fun one tonight, and we can't always say that about the Thursday night matchup show. We're very much looking forward to it. John, thanks as always for taking some time for us today. Really appreciate it, and enjoy the game tonight.
2: Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you. Have a good rest of the show. There he goes. John
0: Hendricks from Sports Illustrated covers the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we talked a long time there, and you didn't even mention Alvin Kamara, who's been kind of... I mean, he's been used like Alvin Kamara has been used in the past. You know, he's going to get his, you know, 14 carries. He's going to have, you know, three, four catches, seven targets. But it's kind of like, I feel like in New Orleans with this team, Alvin Kamara, his real superpowers cannot be reached. I just feel like he's so held back by this team with Derek Carr as the quarterback. And I know fantasy owners are like, well, you know, especially in PPR, where he's, you know, getting peppered with targets. They're like, I love this. And it's like, yeah, but it's Alvin Kamara catching, you know, six balls for twelve yards. Like it's not I feel like they can do so much more with him. And it's just so vanilla everything.
1: I feel that way about Chris Olave in this sure. offense. And I look at him as so it's of the- how we
0: this is a reflection on how we feel of Derek Carr, right?
1: Well, yeah, but I mean I think it was this. Same thing was true last year with Olave. And you look at the young receivers that are coming into their own, if given the opportunity right now, whether it's Drake London in Atlanta, Chris Olave with the Saints, Garrett Wilson with the Jets, and you know so much more is there. What is the appreciable difference between them and a Justin Jefferson or a C.D. Lamb or Jamar Chase role and opportunity? Like, they have the ability. They aren't able to reach that. And so, you know, I'm – Thinking about that, looking at this upcoming draft class with lots of talented receivers, we've seen in recent years that receivers can make the jump and have an impact right away. But more than the player, the evaluation has to be on the fit in the role. And that's one of the lessons, you know, I will apply to fantasy and beyond in 2024. And Alave is a great example. The flip side would be, you know, sometimes someone has a great role. Quentin johnson and they just don't live up to it
0: that's also true too um okay so a quick one here because we got about a minute um saints draft a quarterback this year have to Derek carr has an out after 2026 of 11.4 million dollars in dead cap
1: let's not forget though patrick mahomes was drafted and did not play Jordan Love was drafted and did not play. I think once you have the opportunity and what is a great class for QBs, draft them and let Derek Carr take all of the hits behind a bad offensive line and then groom
0: the next uh, star of your, court, your franchise. Like his brother? Just let him take all the hits? Uh, That's what Houston did. True. Yeah, that wasn't good. Uh, best bets for tonight. I'm going with the running backs. They're both going to score a touchdown. Kyron Williams and Alvin Kamara. I think this is high scoring. I probably shouldn't say that because I'm wrong every time I say I, it. I agree. Uh, thanks to Tristan behind the glass. Thanks to Donovan across the table. Matt Marchese signing off for the fan checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We will be back tomorrow.